Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Story time. Last August in 1991, I had an unforgettable experience that still. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Bill sends shivers down my spine. You see... I own a cozy condo at Smuggler's Cove near Newport, Oregon, nestled amidst the beauty of nature. 
Little did I know that this serene getaway would become the backdrop for an encounter that defied all logic and reason. It all began when my friend, Michael, who also happened to be a park ranger, shared a chilling report with me. He had encountered something truly extraordinary at Smuggler's Cove. Eager to explore the mystery further, I decided to visit the area and witness it for myself. I arrived at my condo, situated near a tranquil lake, accompanied by my sister April, her husband, and their young son. The peacefulness of the surroundings set the stage for an idyllic vacation, or so we thought. One evening, as the sun began to set, we gathered on the balcony, enjoying the breathtaking view of the lake. Suddenly, something caught our attention. A figure emerged from the dense foliage on the opposite side of the lake. It was unlike anything we had ever seen before. Towering and robust, this creature appeared to be a Bigfoot. The creature possessed no discernible neck and was covered in long, jet-black hair, which swayed with each powerful stride it took. As it walked along the edge of the lake, it seemed to move with an uncanny grace, despite its immense size. The sight was both mesmerizing and terrifying. As we stood there, awestruck, our initial disbelief transformed into a shared sense of awe and bewilderment. It wasn't just my own eyes that witnessed this enigmatic creature, my sister April, her husband, and their son were equally captivated by the sight before us. Time seemed to stand still as we watched the Bigfoot navigate the surroundings with an almost supernatural presence. Its existence defied all rational explanation. We were witnessing a phenomenon that challenged the boundaries of our understanding. Our hearts raced, and a mix of fear and fascination gripped us. We exchanged nervous glances, realizing that our lives were forever changed by this encounter. It was a moment that would bind us together in a shared secret, forever etched in our memories. In the days that followed, we tried to make sense of what we had witnessed. It was a beautiful summer day, and my family and I decided to have a picnic at a scenic spot known as Deadman's Pass, located off the old highway near 84. Little did we know that this innocent outing would soon turn into a spine-chilling encounter that would test the limits of our understanding. As we settled down and began enjoying our meal, one of the kids noticed a figure across the ravine in a small meadow near the forest line. At first, we thought it was a black wolf, peacefully observing its surroundings. Intrigued, we focused our attention on this enigmatic creature, curious to see its behavior. For several minutes, we watched in fascination as the figure remained motionless, swaying back and forth. Its dark silhouette against the backdrop of the meadow made it difficult to discern its true nature. But then, something extraordinary happened that shattered our assumptions. The figure stood up, towering over the landscape, and that's when we realized it was no ordinary animal. It was massive, easily measuring at least 11 feet or even taller, and it moved in a peculiar manner, somewhat stooped over. Its sheer size and posture defied any logical explanation. In awe and disbelief, we witnessed the creature take a few giant strides, disappearing into the dense woods just to the right of its position. It covered a considerable distance in just a few steps, something that no bear could ever accomplish. It was a sight that left us breathless and filled with a mixture of wonder and unease. 
Being born in Washington, I had heard tales of a mysterious creature known as the Dogman. I had even seen the Patterson-Gimlin film, capturing a similar being. What I witnessed that day in Deadman's Pass bore a striking resemblance to those accounts and the iconic footage. The encounter played over and over in my mind as we packed up our belongings, an air of excitement and trepidation lingering around us. It was a rare glimpse into the hidden realms of the unknown, leaving us with more questions than answers. Later, I couldn't resist sharing our experience with a park ranger who was stationed nearby. Their face grew serious as I described what we had seen. They listened intently, acknowledging that our encounter aligned with other reports they had received over the years. I'm a ranger in Yosemite National Park, and I believe I've witnessed something that people refer to as a real-life alien spaceship. I even had the audacity to touch it with my bare hands. It was a few years back when I was still quite new to the job, on May 7, 2003, to be exact. I was assigned to patrol an area due to reports of strange sounds being heard every night past midnight. There were also rumors of dazzling light shows resembling full laser displays. Some speculated that teenagers were having parties in the woods as the reason behind these noises, but deep down, I knew that explanation didn't make any sense. A couple of rangers had already been investigating the case, but with little progress. That's when I was added to the team. At 23 years old, full of enthusiasm to solve the mystery, I delved into every aspect of the investigation. I meticulously gathered testimonies from witnesses, surveyed the entire area, and tracked possible suspects. I even started camping in the suspected sites. Night after night, I immersed myself in the darkness of the woods, becoming intimately familiar with the creatures that emerged when the sun set. I witnessed unexplainable phenomena, an unexplained disappearance of a human right before my eyes, insects glowing with a mesmerizing flicker of light. I documented everything, but unfortunately, in 2003, phone cameras were not as accessible as they are now. So, I had no clear evidence of these extraordinary occurrences. It was during the last night at the final location on the list when everything changed. As the clock neared 5, I was setting up camp when suddenly, all my gadgets emitted strange static noises. Initially, I considered the possibility of equipment failure and thought about heading back. But something felt off. The day before, everything was functioning perfectly fine. Nonetheless, after a few minutes, the strange static ceased, and everything returned to normal. With little hope of finding answers, I shared my discoveries with my fellow rangers. Some believed me, while others laughed it off. To those who believed, they mentioned having witnessed similar phenomena but failing to find any trace of it upon returning to investigate. It seemed to appear and vanish in the right place at the right time, defying rational explanation. With a glimmer of hope, I returned to the exact spot where the specter had presented itself. I moved around the area, searching every nook and cranny, but to no avail. It was truly gone. As I sat down to have my dinner, the full moon cast its radiant glow, illuminating the surroundings. Lost in my thoughts, I caught a sudden flash of light in my peripheral vision. It was momentary, but it showed me the way. Intrigued, 
I followed the direction of the light, and soon enough, my walkie-talkie began emitting an intense, unsettling static noise. Fearing it might alert whatever entity was responsible, I swiftly turned it off. With a mix of excitement and trepidation, I scoured the area until, finally, at around 10 p.m., I stumbled upon an awe-inspiring sight. Before me floated a colossal structure resembling an egg with rings like Saturn, slowly ascending into the night sky. Its metallic surface emitted an otherworldly glow, reflecting the moon's light. I hid behind a nearby tree, my heart pounding in my chest. This was it. This was the revelation of an unseen side of our world, and I was an astonished witness to it. Crouching down, I observed the object with bated breath. It hovered, surrounded by its rotating rings, an enigmatic spectacle. It was pitch black, and its presence emanated a deep engine-like rumble. I marveled at its presence, captivated by the sheer magnitude of the moment. Suddenly, the stillness shattered as the outer shell of the object began to crack. The rings on its surface emitted a neon blue light, reminiscent of an ethereal glow. It was a sight beyond comprehension, defying any earthly explanation. My eyes remained fixated on the spectacle as four metallic pipes extended from the craft, acting as sturdy supports. It stood there, frozen in place, and I dared not make a sound. Time seemed to blur as I crouched there, overwhelmed by a mixture of awe and fear. Hours passed, but nothing else transpired. The cracks on the surface of the object closed, returning it to its original form. An eerie stillness settled over the surroundings as the craft slowly began to rise, its presence dominating the night sky. Driven by curiosity and a thirst for answers, I mustered the courage to approach the vessel cautiously. Every movement was deliberate, as I crawled on all fours, avoiding any unnecessary noise. With each painstaking inch, I drew closer to the enigmatic craft, anticipation surging through my veins. Finally, I reached out, extending my hand to touch the metallic surface. The sensation was surreal, a smooth, cool texture beneath my fingertips. It was a moment of connection, a tangible encounter with the unknown. However, as I prepared to caress the craft, a high-pitched noise pierced the air, reverberating through my eardrums. The intensity was overwhelming, causing me to clutch my ears in agony. The next thing I knew, I awakened in a hospital bed, disoriented and bewildered. I had been found unconscious by a fellow ranger and rushed to the hospital when I failed to regain consciousness. The details surrounding my sudden collapse remained a mystery, but I knew deep down that my encounter with the otherworldly craft had played a part. Since that fateful day, I've become even more determined to uncover concrete evidence of their existence. The encounter, the warning signal of the high-pitched noise, and the subsequent disappearance of the craft all reinforced my belief that these beings walked among us, observing from the shadows. They were aware of our presence, and perhaps, they had become more cautious, making their activities less frequent and conspicuous. Armed with my conviction, I continue my search for proof, hoping to share my extraordinary experiences with those willing to listen. The encounter with the alien ship had forever altered my perception of the world, reminding me that there is still so much left to uncover. As a ranger in Yosemite National Park, 
I stand as a guardian of the uncharted, forever vigilant, and forever seeking answers to the mysteries that lie within the vastness of the unknown. In late 2001, as an officer patrolling near Las Vegas, New Mexico, I found myself in a mountainous rural area, surrounded by the stillness of the early morning. My partner and I sat inside our fully marked police cruiser, parked by the roadside next to a dense thicket of dark woods. Daylight was just beginning to break, allowing us to see clearly through the windows without the need for headlights. As we engaged in conversation, my partner diligently filled out paperwork, oblivious to the imminent encounter that was about to unfold. It was approximately 5 a.m., and the world was slowly waking up around us. Suddenly, our attention was drawn to movement at the edge of the bushes, where there was no discernible path or roadway. With bated breath, we watched as a massive figure emerged from the undergrowth, making its way toward us. The creature had four legs, hoofs pounding the ground, but what struck us most were its long, muscular arms swinging back and forth, resembling the movements of an ape. In the short span of time it took for the headlights to circle through the windshield, the creature covered a distance of about a hundred yards. Our hearts raced as we realized the sheer size of the entity. Standing at least eight feet tall, it loomed over us. Reacting instinctively, my partner and I leapt out of the car. He reached for his firearm while I, opting for a non-confrontational approach, cautiously moved towards the creature. It seemed to recognize my lack of aggression and swiftly disappeared into the depths of the surrounding woods, moving with an uncanny agility on all fours. Driven by curiosity and a sense of duty, I ventured into the same woods, hoping to track the elusive creature. To my surprise, there was no trace of any disturbance or evidence of its passage through the dense brush. It was as if the creature had vanished into thin air. There was no sign of human tracks or any indication that someone had sprinted through that very spot. It was a baffling mystery, leaving me with more questions than answers. In my quest for understanding, I reached out to fellow officers in neighboring towns, and they shared similar reports of a wild man roaming the area. Other accounts emerged, speaking of startled horses and the discovery of large human-like footprints in their vicinity. Our department devoted significant time and resources to tracking down the elusive creature, but our efforts proved fruitless. It seemed that our encounter was a fleeting glimpse of a phenomenon that defied explanation. As the days turned into weeks, the creature remained elusive, fading into the depths of local folklore. It became a tale shared among law enforcement and the local community, an enigmatic presence lurking in the memories of those who had witnessed it. While we never laid eyes on the creature again, the encounter served as a reminder of the mysteries that lie within the vastness of our world, waiting to be unraveled. I was deep in the wilderness, backpacking with my faithful dog, miles away from civilization. It was just the two of us, surrounded by the serene beauty of nature. We had encountered no other hikers throughout the day, making the solitude even more pronounced. In the dead of night, around 2 a.m., my dog's growl startled me awake. I quickly turned on my headlamp and saw his teeth bared, his instincts on high alert. Something was amiss. 
I strained my ears and heard heavy footsteps approaching our tent. The possibility of a black bear or a moose crossed my mind. Taking swift action, I leashed my dog, ensuring he couldn't charge through the tent. As I did so, the footsteps receded but continued to circle around our campsite. Confusion clouded my mind, I had properly stored all food and toiletries in a bear bag, eliminating any potential attractants. I clapped my hands, hoping to deter whatever was circling us. Yet, the slow, deliberate movements persisted, behavior more peculiar for a human than a moose or a bear seeking food. Gathering my courage, I made a decision. Gripping the leash in one hand and clutching bear spray in the other, I stepped out of the tent, raising my voice and shouting, Hey bear! The footsteps abruptly halted, and my dog's keen senses directed my attention to the right. However, my headlamp revealed nothing. There was no sound of a retreat, only an eerie silence. Giving it a few minutes, I cautiously returned to the tent, still on edge. But before long, the unsettling circling resumed, approximately 50 feet away from us. It continued for what felt like an hour, a constant reminder of an unseen presence lurking in the darkness. Eventually, the footsteps wandered off into the depths of the woods, disappearing with the dawn. As morning broke, I decided to investigate. Equipped with my dog and the bear spray, I began searching for tracks. Amongst the fallen leaves, I discovered a clear path that had been trampled, but no discernible footprints. My dog's nose led us further, tracing the loop around our campsite. And there, in the midst of nature's splendor, I came across a chilling discovery. A few unmistakable human footprints, bare and of regular size, adorned the ground. It was clear that someone, a stranger, had ventured into the remote wilderness, intruding upon our solitude and encircling my tent for over an hour. Adding to the eerie revelation, a human turd and scattered toilet paper lay as evidence of their presence, a disturbing reminder that an individual, possibly with malicious intent, had violated the sanctity of the wilderness. In early February, an intriguing tip came my way, hinting at a series of astonishing encounters with none other than Bigfoot in Elk County. Eager to delve deeper into this mysterious phenomenon, I seized the opportunity to interview two witnesses who had experienced firsthand the presence of the elusive creature. What I uncovered during those conversations left me both astounded and captivated. One resident, who wished to remain anonymous, shared a remarkable account with me. He revealed that he had been actively placing scrap buckets filled with an assortment of food, apples, berries, and corn, near the edges of the woods, hoping to provide a feast for the local wildlife. Little did he know that his generous act would soon lead to an encounter he would never forget. On the fateful evening of his encounter, the resident found himself in his cozy home, enveloped by the tranquility of the surrounding forest. Suddenly, a distant sound of heavy, thunderous footfalls pierced the stillness, causing his curiosity to awaken. Recognizing that the rhythm and weight of those steps did not match the gait of an elk or deer, a sense of intrigue mingled with a touch of apprehension settled within him. A few minutes later, his outside security system alerted him to movement near the vicinity of his property. 
With a mix of anticipation and trepidation, he peered out of a nearby window, straining his eyes to discern the source of the commotion. What he witnessed next defied all logic and reason. Standing before him was a colossal figure, towering between eight to nine feet in height. Its entire form was enveloped in a thick cloak of black and gray hair, rendering its true features partially concealed. The creature's imposing stature was such that the window frame itself obscured its head from view. The witness's heart raced, and a sense of awe washed over him, realizing he was in the presence of something truly extraordinary. The creature possessed an immense wingspan, its shoulders broad and robust. Its long arms swung rhythmically with each calculated stride, a testament to its untamed power. With measured grace, it moved away from the property, disappearing into the depths of the surrounding woods. The witness stood transfixed, the weight of the encounter settling upon him, forever etching this remarkable sight into the depths of his memory. I'm a born and raised Long Islander. So are my parents. They met out east, which an islander talk means the east end of the island. To any NYC rich kids, that means the Hamptons. But for the rest of us who are coincidentally not millionaires, it means the North Fork. Not to get too geographically confusing, but Long Island is an, accurately named, Long Island that forks off about a three-quarters of the way down the 90 miles it stretches. It kind of looks like a fish with its mouth open, with the North Fork being where the eyes are and the Hamptons are the jaw. Shelter Island is somewhere in the middle. Like, a smaller fish about to be eaten. My mom's family had a summer house on the North Fork. My dad had a house on Shelter Island. My parents met working at a summer job, and the rest is, clearly, history. But super long explanation short, I grew up getting to pretend to be bougie, because I had not one, but two summer houses. I know, right? Shelter Island is my favorite place. In a lot of ways, just the island itself feels magical. The only access is by ferry, and while traveling there you feel like you are being transported into a different world. But the picture of Shelter Island in the summer is very other than the winter. In the summer, the population rises to around 20,000 people. But in the winter? Not more than 2,000. So, I was around 13 or 14. I had invited my best friend to come out with my family that weekend. I was so excited, as it was one of the first times she was able to. I remember our bathroom was being renovated, and so the only other bathroom we could use was in the dank, dark basement, and the only connection to the house was by going outside and down the stairs and then down another set of stairs into the basement. So, it had to have been around 10 o'clock, and we went together to the bathroom to brush our teeth. The moon was almost full, so bright it provided some lights on an island that street lamps were few and far between. If it wasn't for the light of the moon, we probably would have passed the creature altogether without realizing it because out there you can hardly see two feet in front of you when it's dark. As we were coming back up the stairs, laughing about something menial, was when we saw it. It was about 10 feet away, with its back to us, lurking near my shed. We both froze and did that thing where you take a quick breath and hold it, involuntarily. That made the creature notice us. Its head whipped around, 
and his eyes were glowing, a kind of blood red. It didn't look angry, but rather like a feral dog, not knowing how to react to these two teen girls observing it. Almost as if not to scare us, it slowly rose up to full size, which I would guess was around 7 feet. The whole time, it never broke eye contact. I felt I could fall into the pits of blood that its eyes were. It was covered in long shaggy black hair and had thick human-like legs. After standing there, frozen in horror, for at least a full minute, all the while still in this staring contest, we both regained control of our feet and ran up the stairs screaming for my parents. We saw a werewolf, we saw a werewolf. My dad went out first, and we followed. My dad quickly dismissed it and went back inside, a bit disgruntled. I could have sworn I saw a bush where it was near move. Over the years, I've had many theories. One of which is that the native people who lived on the island before the white man are responsible, as shapeshifting legends are prevalent in indigenous people's cultures. Maybe, it's the descendants of the people who stole this land, cursed to turn under the full moon, choosing isolation to protect their secret. For nine months out of the twelve, anyway. A couple weeks ago my dad shared the below. My dad is about as down to earth and grounded as they get. Him, his then high school girlfriend, his best friend with girlfriend in tow, and another male friend would drive out to the back roads. The roads we're talking about are pretty desolate, could go through the night without seeing another car. They would randomly stop put on some tunes, and do what teens do. This is the late 70s as reference. One night they stopped and were hanging out, when in the field about 500 yards away a total of five lights shone spaced about 50 yards from each other and roughly 20 feet off the ground. My dad said they all just stared because the lights were so brilliantly bright, but really did not hurt the eyes. Roughly 15 seconds after being on they went off without a sound. They all were discussing what it was when once again the lights came on again. This time they noticed three people, standing about 50 yards in front of the lights, just standing no movement. Lights turned back off, my dad said they were not scared since it seemed so far away from them. Lights go back on, the initial three people have moved up roughly 50 yards, and there is now five more behind them, 50 yards. Like bowling pin arrangement. Lights back off. At this point while still kind of watching, my dad and his friends are packing up to nope out of there. The lights come back on, and there is the initial eight people still in the same position, but now one single person about 200 yards away right in the middle of the light spectrum. That was it they floored it out of there. No one looked back, and it was never spoken of amongst the friends. My dad said if it was some sort of production to spook five high schoolers, it was well accomplished. All this happened within a three to five minute period of time, as reference. I had to ask did you see the lights for a fourth time while driving away. He said they were all so shook up, they would not have even noticed slash did not want to see them again. In late February, amidst the enchanting landscape that straddles the border of Westmoreland and Indiana counties, my senses were ignited by a sighting that would forever alter my perception of the supernatural. It was an early morning, 
around 7.15 a.m., when the world was still cloaked in a tranquil embrace. Little did I know that I was about to become a witness to another worldly encounter. I found myself in a remote, rural area near the Chestnut Ridge, surrounded by a serene stillness. As I cast my gaze toward a weathered building, a peculiar sight caught my attention. Behind the structure stood a diminutive figure, approximately four feet tall, draped in a shroud of gray hair. It resembled a small Bigfoot, but there was something subtly different about its appearance. Mesmerized by this enigmatic creature, I began to notice a curious phenomenon unfolding around me. Echoing through the air, emanating from the depths of the nearby woods, came a series of haunting whoop-whoop sounds. Each resonant call sent shivers down my spine, as if beckoning the smaller creature to answer its cryptic summons. Without hesitation, the diminutive being sprang into motion, its agile form darting toward the origin of the haunting calls. I stood there, rooted to the spot, as the mysteries of the unseen world unfolded before my eyes. The boundaries of reality seemed to blur, leaving me suspended between awe and trepidation. Two days later, on that very same property, a new chapter in this unfolding tale of the extraordinary was written. A putrid stench, reminiscent of rotting meat or decaying eggs, permeated the air, weaving an atmosphere of unease. The odor lingered for what felt like an eternity, tainting the very essence of the surroundings, before gradually dissipating into the ethereal abyss. As if responding to this unholy scent, the resident's faithful canine companion fell ill, overcome by a mysterious malaise. The once vibrant and eager companion now cowered in fear, refusing to venture beyond the threshold of the familiar. It was as though the tendrils of an unseen force had ensnared the very spirit of the faithful creature. This remarkable series of events became a chapter in the storied history of this enigmatic locale. The whispers of previous encounters between beings akin to Bigfoot echoed through the annals of time, intertwining with the tapestry of legends and folklore that had woven its way into the fabric of this land. As I reflect on my encounter, I am left with more questions than answers. My best friend and I worked overnight security at a Waffle House in 2002-ish. He was tall, lanky, and had a death metal vibe. I was wide, stout, and bearded like a dwarf. We looked like badasses. We were not. We waited in line for Harry Potter 4 and attended a weekly vampire the Masquerade LARP. We were not badasses. The reason this particular Waffle House required such lackluster security was one town over. The stretch of Tulane that passed by our Waho connected one dusty country-ass town to a dustier, though slightly less country, town. Hick Town A had a considerable black population. Hick Town B had the nearest dance club, everything else in between was cowboy whiskey halls. Every weekend night at 2 a.m. everyone who had made the pilgrimage to Hicktown B for healthy doses of alcohol and ass passed by the Waho and we filled to capacity until 4 a.m. For the most part, the presence of security was an overreaction from a Hicktown Waho owner. We were busy, but there was rarely any kind of trouble. Sometimes words would be exchanged over the counter. We'd stand up, the rowdy customer would say, man, F this place. And leave. 
By the time they got to our counter, everyone was pretty partied out and just wanted something scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, and diced before they passed out. One night, things got scary. My buddy Ray and I were sitting by the jukebox, on our sixth Whitesnake song because it was the only thing on the machine that didn't twang. Around one a young interracial couple came in. Cute kids, late teens, nice customers. About 10 minutes after the kids came in, a pack of white supremacists walks in. This was before 2016. This was when white supremacists still stayed in their holes and hadn't yet aligned with a political party. They were rare. You only saw them in prison shows and Ed Norton movies. But here they were. Six of them. Cliché tattoos and all. They sat at the bar, backs to the door. Their shirts were adorned with slogans that made a civilization cry. Ray and I looked to the manager for some kind of silent message. We were a little worried. We weren't worried because they were there. We weren't worried because there was an interracial couple sitting 20 feet from Nazis. What worried us was that it was 1.30. In 30 minutes our establishment would be hosting, on average, 40 young, drunk, black men and women who live every day under the weight of the continuous oppression and sour demeanor of Southern hospitality. Those men and women will open our doors and, through a haze of smoke and Hennessy, see white power shouted at them six different horrible ways from the backs at the bar. It was going to get ugly. There was going to be blood. But based on the way we expected the 40 versus 6 fight to go, we weren't sure we were going to get involved at all. The boss came and sat with us for a moment. We had a little meeting, kind of a fight coordination. I'd get fat ass on the ground, Ray would pop dad across the nose, the kitchen was there for backup and they were ready to dive in. We waited. The kitchen double-timed their orders in hopes of getting them out quick. The kids got their food. They ate calmly, casting the occasional nervous glance. The filth got their food. They ate calmly, casting the occasional hateful glance. The filth stood up, dropped a bunch of cash, and left. It was 1.57. Five minutes later the customary trickle of stumblers who were the definition of young, dumb, and full of cum came pouring in. Five minutes. Those hillbilly men were five minutes away from dying. I've always wondered if they meant to start shit and just chickened out or if they just got lucky and left at the right time. Either way, the moment they left was one of the biggest reliefs of my life. I'll never forget that night, even though, in the end, nothing happened. I and my wife live in a mid-sized city in a fairly populated area in Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania just off a very busy main road. This happened around June or July of 2020. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 22. 
We mostly live around older people and college students, and rent is very cheap as it's not the nicest neighborhood. My wife's job is a five minute walk from our apartment and she was getting home very late that night, around 1.30 am. She came in looking scared to death and eventually told me she saw the following. She said there was a small humanoid running out from between ours and our neighbor's house. It was dressed like, and had the proportions of an approximately four-year-old child, and wore a striped shirt and pants. She said he stopped, appeared to be a boy, and looked in her direction briefly, before running off between another house. The child appeared to have a potato sack or burlap sack over his head, it was possibly drawn on. She is a major vibes person but she has never said anything like this before, though she has excellent instincts. She didn't get a sense it was evil, but she was terrified after. If I bring up the child she gets freaked out and won't talk about it. No small children live on our street, and there are regular gunshots slash screaming slash angry homeless guys that we are very accustomed to after three years of living here. In short, it's not a place an approximately four-year-old child would be out alone at 1.30 am. She also did not tell me what happened right away. She appeared scared but talked about work slash unrelated things before telling me that. I think she thought I would judge her slash tell her she was lying. It never happened again, and I have never seen or felt anything. If anyone has any theories I'd love to know. It freaks me out to think about it, especially because that house he ran from is owned by a bachelor and has an enclosed, gated backyard. So I spoke to her again about it. She said that it was strange because the door to our next door neighbor's backyard was closed, and it seemed to go through the door. She said it ran in an unusually playful manner and seemed scared only when it stopped to look at her. It actually ran to the opposite side of the same house, which I got wrong the first time. From her report, it did not run like a child but had a quick playful movement, sort of like a rabbit. It made no sound or movement to indicate distress other than running skipping? Away quicker than a child would. She felt it was an internal sense that it was paranormal and that she saw something she wasn't supposed to should not continue. If it has to have a face to be a humanoid I apologize, I wasn't aware honestly, and was trying to learn about the story. This is Pittsburgh. No the bag covered the child's entire head, but she did say that the burlap bag may have been drawn on like two little X's over the eyes, but not a full face. She did not glimpse the skin color or cannot remember from shock. It didn't speak or make any sound that she can remember, it just ran. This happened on a backwoods creepy highway road somewhere between Georgia and Florida, in the 80s. My family has always been a Midwestern road trip family since dad does not like flying. When I was a preteen we took one of many road trips to Florida, and mom slash dad both would drive for the entire 24 hours, just to stop to eat and take breaks slash gas. I have always been a light road sleeper, and wake up for anything. The reason why this story sticks with me so well is that it is one of the only times I've seen both my parents show signs of being scared, something as a kid I really never saw. In the middle of the night I remember waking up to my parents talking about something, in a concerning tone. The windows were open, 
since we were far enough south now to be out of crappy November Midwest weather. Once I wake up, they both stop talking so I sit up thinking they were arguing or something and that I stopped it. I look out the window and see nothing. Just, like trees and fields, the moon, and electrical poles. But nothing, no houses, no other cars, nothing nothing nothing. I ask where we are and my mom actually says, I don't know. So now I'm really like, WTF. I say, are we lost? And they both just say nothing. And then I hear music, like our car radio playing, but it's coming from outside. Just loud enough like it's a car next to us, but we are the only car on the road. But, not loud enough to make out the exact song, it's just. Music. And my parents are listening to it too, all quiet. So I say, where is that music coming from? And there is a pause and my mom finally says, I don't know. So I say, is it our radio? And my mom says no. And then suddenly my dad says very, very calmly, wife, roll up your window. And my mom practically has a heart attack getting the window rolled up. I went back to sleep somehow, but I had no idea what was happening, and my dad drove faster. On the same trip we saw a couple with a trailer hitching up a car behind them, but it was hitched up in a way that it looked like an invisible person was driving. My parents thought that was so hilarious and then redirected any mention of the phantom music to that part of my trip. So, I've never fully gotten 100% the true story. I hope you enjoyed. I have other weird forest creepy encounters too if you would like more. A friend and I came across this amber-eyed creature on April 15, 2023, in Patterson, Texas, Waller County. It was around 11.30 p.m. when we cut through Morton Road. We backed out of that dirt road so fast and then drove south on Durkeen and the left onto Royal Road while the entire time looking over to the open field with our spotlight and the one rifle in the truck. Once we made a right onto 362 and headed south, we began feeling a bit more relaxed. We then took it all the way south to 359 and then made a left on Highway 90 and didn't stop till we made it to our friend's house. We were coming from Patterson, Texas where one of my other friend's lives. We also like to go through that patch on Morton Road during the day because it is like off-roading. We originally thought of heading to Royal High School on Royal Road but we instead decided to turn left and off-road at night when we drove past Morton Road. It is the reason why we were so chilled about coming across what we thought was a large dog till it turned around and stood on two legs and growled at us. Its growl was deep but low. It rattled the entire truck. One of my friends told me that the only thing they remember was the sound it made while breathing which was that of a horse. My buddy's truck is lifted and usually, when I stand in front of the hood, it is around the high part of my chest, I'm 5 feet 8, but when this thing stood up, you could see most of the waist area so it had to be taller than me. I can't give an exact measurement because I just don't know. All I know is that it wasn't a bear. I've seen black bears before. The spotlight caught it and it looked like my buddy's German Shepherd with amber looking eyes. Maybe it was a big Kai dog or Koi wolf or a bear with mange, but it was pretty tall and wide. It happened so quick. 
So we put it in reverse and got the hell out of there and drove all the way to Katie without stopping anywhere. Then we barricaded ourselves in it with AR-15s and shotguns, sitting there in the middle of the dark with our backs to each other for the rest of the night. We didn't leave the house until midday on Sunday to check the dashboard camera which had recorded over the entire incident the previous night. Our cell phones recorded nothing but jumble and my buddy's dog wouldn't come near the truck as it kept whimpering around it with its tail behind its legs. The dashboard camera recorded all the data on Sunday. We went through it and it was from when the truck was parked at our friend's house. The cell phone quality was so bad we erased it. I dropped my phone on the floor of the truck and didn't find it until Sunday afternoon. It is not something we were planning for like most of the videos you see on the web. Monday morning came around and we all call in sick because we refused to get out of the house until the sun was out. This obviously upset our parents who thought we were being irresponsible and we finally grew the courage to return to Morton Road on Monday afternoon. Our six trucks enter Morton Road off Durkin Road with high-powered semi-assault weapons, shotguns, and hunting rifles. We didn't find any tracks either which is weird because it had rained heavily the past few days so the ground was soft and there was standing water on Morton Road. The only thing we found was this perverse stench like something had died mixed with metallic smell, blood, and urine, ammonia. The dogs we brought with us, two German Shepherds and two others were all whimpering nervously around the site like they didn't want to be there. After the incident, I spent the rest of April just reading everything I could about dogman encounters. My other three friends don't want to talk about it either and one broke up with his girlfriend of three years because he just refused to spend the weekend hiking with her through the Attic's Reservoir hiking trails. They got back together after we were able to get him to open up about it, but I'm the only one that has put this out to the public. It has been a month and I still refuse to be out later than sundown. I don't leave the house early in the morning anymore to go to the gym at 5 am. In fact, I have changed my life around completely and that includes no more before bed walks at night with the dog. I have installed security bars on all my first floor windows, added spotlights to my entire home, and places better security cameras. I also no longer drive through country roads even during the day, especially by myself because I feel exposed. Last week I refused to go fishing on the Brazos River and turned down heading for the weekend to Lake Conroe. I've always wanted to go fishing at the end of East Matagorda Bay, but to get there one would have to off-road on a 4x4 west from Matagorda Beach on a dirt trail for about 15 miles. Yet after this experience, I no longer feel safe. I just want to go back to being ignorant about the things that go bumping about at night. I grew up in a very rural area. As a kid, I do a lot of exploring. Once when I was about 11 and my brother was 8, we were riding our bikes down an old trail on the edge of our neighbor's property. We frequented abandoned dirt roads often, so we knew if we just kept following the trail, we'd eventually end up at the main road, about a quarter of a mile from our driveway. We came across an old red iron lean-to. There were cow carcasses hanging from the top post in various states of decay. This spooked us and we got out as quickly as possible. We really didn't speak about it after that but both still explored. 
I had found a house when I was about 16 or so but never had the courage to go in. It was about 2 miles behind our neighbor's 22-acre property line. I didn't really worry about it because of how far and I didn't want to go that far out on someone else's land like that again. Now here's where it gets weird. At 22 me and two other friends got drunk and decided to go exploring. I knew how to get to this house because there's a trail. It's overgrown from years of neglect but it's still a viable trail. We get to a clearing and there's the house. There is a rusted 50s Oikup truck parked beside the home. It's white wood and still in pretty decent condition. The lawn was shorter gras, almost like it was fresh cut and it looked like they needed to weed eat around the truck and house. I didn't think much of this at the time. We don't plan to go in at first. We walked around the back and saw there was a whole trailer behind the house. The two were connected by a crudely made awning and porch. We could see the back door of the house and the front door of the trailer were both open. One quart glass jars were everywhere. I mean dozens. Some on the ground under the porch, a lot on the platform. There were so many, they spilled out of the trailer and house. Most were empty but some had a clear liquid. We decided not to enter the trailer because that seemed to be where the majority of the jars were. We were unsure of broken glass and assumed the liquid was moonshine as it wasn't growing algae like some of the others. We go through the back door and find the house was in disarray. Paper everywhere, tons of water damage. The roof and floor were caving in in some places. I found a calendar from 1973 hanging. Old toys and books were just scattered. No seating or bedding furniture but there were a couple of tables and a desk. The craziest thing I found was a box within that desk. It contained pencils, blank papers, a how to write in shorthand book and some records. The records showed large sums of money being paid not only to the local school but also to several people. The area I grew up in is a lot of old money slash generational wealth people and I recognized many last names. One of the names I recognized was my 70-something year old landlords. The sums of money were anywhere between 50 and 6,000. The larger amounts were paid to the school and frequently too. They'd get a check at least once every week, sometimes twice a week. Never for less than 1,000. At this point, one of my friends found a plate and glass on the kitchen table. It was dirty like it had food on it at one point. There were dirty dishes in the sink too. This kinda weirded us out so we left at this point. It's been about 10 years since that day. A few weeks ago, I'm shooting the shit with my dad at about 2 in the morning. We were talking about living there for so many years and how we had so many memories. With it being so late, I felt a little spooky so I told him about the house. I did not tell him about the Recieps. After hearing my story he kinds nods and says, yeah, that's Mr. Cup's house. I had never heard of this dude in the 20-something years I've lived in this house. The more I got to thinking about it, the more I felt like I remembered that name on the records. I asked my dad how he knows about the house and apparently, when we were little kids, my parents had too much to drink one night and took some of their friends out there to go ghost hunting. He saw pretty much the same thing I did. He told how he gets to the location and I realized the road I found those carcasses on as a kid was one of Mr. Cup's driveways. 
The other came out about a quarter of a mile to the opposite of my house. I then told him about the Resieps and our now deceased original landlord's name on them. He tells me he doesn't know about all the Resieps but he does tell me that way back in the 50s, Mr. Cup and our landlords were at ends about where the property line was. Mr. Cup had proof of his side of the land. The landlord had filed a motion to stall the lawsuit and eventually, after years of fighting, it was settled that the property Mr. Cup was living on was theirs. Some of the details in regard to why Mr. Cup didn't get his land are fuzzy to my dad. He does know that the landlords didn't tell Mr. Cup tie he had to vacate because they didn't want him to appeal. So for about 10 years they let him live there and didn't mess with him. At this point, he's in his 70s and it's in the 1970s. The landlord gave Mr. Cup's property, in addition to a lot of property behind our neighbor's acreage to her daughter as a wedding present. They forced Mr. Cup to pay them in order to stay. The daughter used the money to fund a clubhouse in the middle of the property. They also redirected his access road, the trail, to lead to the clubhouse. This went on for some time until the couple who were now in possession of the property decided to divorce. The guy was the brother to my little brother's best friend's dad. His family home was right down the road from all this. He managed to win all the property in the divorce and the wife got the money. The first thing he did was go to Mr. Cup and sold him not only his property back, but also all the property that was originally the landlord's, including the property the club was on. So Mr. Cup closed off all access to the club and the access point furthest from him. He left the one closer to his home open. Then what? I had asked my dad. He shrugged. Nothing. He lived a few more years and then died. They found him at the kitchen table a few months after he had passed. I don't know who owns this property now, nor do I know who has been maintaining it. The only other person in this area with that last name spelled it different and was not originally from the area. I know nothing else about it. I don't even know what was in those jars. I think about this sometimes and the more I think about it the more questions I have answers. It was a cold evening in January 2023 in Navajo Summit, Arizona. I had my two nieces with me, one was six, the other eight. I had gone to our family cabin, waiting on my sister to return from town. The evening started at about 7 p.m., and we didn't have a key to the house. We waited for a couple hours, and the girls eventually fell asleep in my truck. As the night continued, the temperature also dropped. I fell asleep as well. I woke around 9.30 p.m., it was very cold in the truck. I started the vehicle. As I depressed the brake pedal to start the truck, I noticed in the side mirror a face looking at me from the glow in the tail light. I hesitated to look at first but gathered enough courage to observe it again. I saw a white face, with long gray slash white hair, and black eyes, looking at me. I freaked out. Once I started the truck, I sped off and headed to the highway, not sure if what I saw was following us. It was. I continued down the highway in a panic. After a few minutes, I felt as if something had jumped into the bed of my truck. I turned west to head towards a town called Ganado. I went as fast as I could to my parents' house. Upon reaching the turnoff, 
I felt it jump out of the truck and watched the same white-haired entity run along the right-of-way fence. As I pulled up to the house, I quickly carried my nieces inside. Once inside, I situated the girls for bed. Later that night, I dreamed that I walked about two miles to my aunt's house. No one was home. As I walked back home, I noticed this same white-haired thing paralleling me. I quickly ran home, went inside and locked the door behind me, and then went to bed. As I woke the next morning, I noticed sand and dirt at the foot of my bed. I told my parents of what had happened, and of what I had dreamed. Since we are native Navajo they took me to a medicine man, and he told me that I actually sleepwalked to my aunt's house, and when I entered the house, it followed me in. Totally freaked me out. Did I encounter a skinwalker? The medicine man refused to answer my questions, but my father is still vigilant and believe that I was the target of a native witch. I have been working on cleaning up a property that I recently purchased for a lakeside cabin. I've spent the last three weekends there since the purchase. So far has just been junk removal and cleaning but I've brought a lot of tools and some general supplies as well. Almost as soon as I started cleaning I noticed messes I didn't make or things knocked over. I have a fairly large pile of, of junk wood and garbage outside and every morning it's all flipped over like someone has been going through it and moving everything around. On my second weekend out my circular saw went missing after I forgot it outside. I am on a fairly large property, 23 acres, and there's no neighbors for a good distance. I got pretty worried that there could be squatters on the property so I set up a trail cam outside pointed towards the trash pile. The Sunday night I heard a huge slam and then what almost sounded like a young girl giggling. After that there was nothing. I went out to find trash moved all over, a bucket was moved at least 20 feet and I found some little gold bracelet put inside of it that was not there before. My trail cam is gone but it sinks to the cloud through a cell network so I was able to get the single picture it took. I literally have no idea what to think or do. The first thing I noticed is the raccoon or something similar standing over the bucket just staring at the camera. Even though it's kinda creepy I felt relieved that it's just an animal. Then yesterday I noticed the face behind. What the f is that? Seriously what am I looking at? Is it a person? A doll? A child? Someone in a mask? I'm scheduled to head back tomorrow morning for the weekend again but I just need some answers. I saw an alien in my room and showed them a meme. I wrote this account six months ago because I needed to get this story off my chest. This experience was starting to affect my relationship and I desperately needed to tell someone and move on. I decided not to go through with posting about it because I didn't want to seem cringe or have a bunch of people tell me that I was lying. Fast forward to today and I'm finally feeling brave enough to share. Context, I'm female. I was 22 at the time and in my last year of engineering school, still living in my parents' house. Since then I've moved out and got a job in another city. Back in April 2022 I was laying in bed relaxing and had drifted off to sleep around 1am, I'm a night owl and typically stay up well into the night. Sometime after I fell asleep I was awakened by someone grabbing me from behind in an awkward hugging motion. 
Like a bear hug but more awkward and grabby. I slept on my side and would usually face the wall, so I needed to turn around to see who was touching me. My mom usually gets up for work super early, so I assumed it was her coming into my room to hug me and say bye for the day. I was horribly wrong. When I started to turn around, my vision was still blurry, and I couldn't see anyone standing directly next to my bed. I was confused because I had just felt someone touching me. Before I had even finished fully turning to see, my eyes had wandered to the corner of my room near my desk, and my body froze immediately. There was this unknown being floating directly above my desk. I'm not even sure if being is the right word to use, but it looked humanoid. This being was slightly shorter than me, I'm 5 feet 3, had a larger than normal head, and a tiny slit mouth, and their skin was this blackish, star-speckled color. I don't even know how to describe it, but they almost looked airy, like if I poked them my finger would go right through. I felt like I was looking into some sort of cosmic gas. It was really strange, but the most prominent feature I noticed was their gigantic, deep black eyes. The eyes somehow managed to be a deeper black than their skin. They were so huge and just very striking to see. When I saw them hovering over my desk, I made eye contact and my whole body froze. My immediate instinct was to get up and run away, but it was like I couldn't move my arms and legs no matter how much I thought I needed to. I was frozen still. A strange detail I remembered the other day was that when I made eye contact, all the ambient noise in the room was gone. It was completely silent, and we were just staring deeply into each other's eyes. It was like time completely frozen at that moment. While I was staring into their eyes, I felt something I had never felt before. I felt the most primal fear I could have ever felt. I felt like I had suddenly reverted into a caveman or something. I felt this horrible dread, a horrible terror. I kept thinking that I needed to get up and run, I needed to get away, but I couldn't move. And then I heard this message in my head. I can't exactly describe how I heard it. It wasn't as if someone said it to me, but as if it was directly planted into my own thoughts. It said, don't be afraid, and I thought to myself what in the world is going on? I was confused because I heard this message but the being itself did not speak. Like their mouth didn't move, in fact, I don't remember any sort of facial expression ever being conveyed other than the creepy intense stare. I felt a sort of calmness wash over me and I blacked out a few moments after that. The next thing I remember is being seated at my desk. The being was gone but I could still hear these messages in my head. I'm assuming they realized how scared I was and decided to hide themselves to avoid me freaking out again. I can't exactly remember the entire conversation word for word, or how it even happened, but I remember the gist of it. Basically, I was shown these images of real-life war, maybe the war in Ukraine? And images of war in things like cartoons and media, and I guess it wanted to know my opinions about both and the way the images made me feel. I can't remember my response but I remember feeling that they were mildly satisfied with it. For a moment I felt like there might have been a third presence in the conversation like someone else was observing, but I'm not completely sure. At some point during the encounter, I felt awkward and I grabbed my phone to look online, just looking for something to calm myself down. Nobody was in the room but still, 
I felt like I was being watched intensely. It's worth noting that I have very severe social anxiety, and I was scared, but I didn't feel like I was in danger anymore. Anyway, I ended up finding some stupid meme and laughing at it, and I got a feeling like the being was questioning my behavior like they seemed intrigued by the way I was acting. I remember holding my phone up in the air like look. Not knowing where they were but trying to show them anyway. There was a moment of silence, and then the next thing I know I was back in bed again like nothing ever happened, in the blink of an eye. My phone was lying next to me on the bed, and the screen was off. I grabbed it to look at the time. It was like 3 or 4 am. I checked my tabs to make sure I wasn't insane, and sure enough, the last page that I had been on was still open. I don't think they liked my meme. After this happened, I felt like I had been severely traumatized. I slept with the light on for several months after this happened. I talked about it constantly, so much so that I started to overwhelm my girlfriend with my behavior. I was paranoid all the time, I couldn't fall asleep without checking that same corner over and over again. I spent months researching other people who've had similar encounters, just trying to convince myself that I'm not crazy. I still do feel paranoid a lot of the time, and sometimes I convince myself that it wasn't real and I was just dreaming, sleep paralysis, but my body knows the truth. I still feel that horrible dread feeling when I think about what happened, especially when I think of looking into their eyes. My hands will shake and I start to sweat, my body goes numb. It's the only thing that keeps me 100% sure that it wasn't just a dream. I still find myself checking corners when I'm in bed at night, but it's gotten a lot easier to manage now that some time has passed. This experience has completely changed the way I see reality and consciousness, and definitely made me ask myself some tough questions about our existence on this planet. Hey there, let me share some intriguing experiences I had growing up in southern New Hampshire, particularly in East Derry. My childhood home was situated on a quiet cul-de-sac, with a police captain and a detective as our neighbors. Living in that house was eventful, to say the least, with a multitude of strange occurrences tied to its very essence. One of the most peculiar phenomena I encountered was the presence of a shadow person, manifesting itself in the likeness of my family members. Even years later, after we had moved away, my older brother confided in me, saying, whatever it was, it seemed to have taken a liking to you. This brings me to one of the many stories I have from that time. My best friend, who lived just five houses down, had parents who owned a pop-up camper. It was parked to the side of their porch, with its door serving as the family's main entrance. Being curious 12-14 year olds, we often had sleepovers in the camper with other kids from the neighborhood. During one of these nights, we had an experience that continues to haunt me. On this particular occasion, it was just my friend and me. As girls of that age, we would often bicker over trivial matters. That night, it was about a piece of gum she threw to me, which ended up getting lost between the mattresses and the lining of the camper. She was unwilling to give me another piece, which sparked a heated argument between us. As we went back and forth, our voices growing louder, an eerie silence suddenly enveloped us. Out of nowhere, we both heard the distinct sound of footsteps pacing around the camper. 
Then came the voices. It's difficult to put into words, but it felt as if someone was whispering right beside us, yet the voice carried a strange distance. It was a male voice, speaking in a language we couldn't comprehend. We exchanged worried glances, and I recall my friend hastily taking off her socks, they were new, fuzzy, and mine, we didn't want them getting ruined, you know. Without further ado, we sprinted the 15 feet to the side door, hurried inside, and raced up the stairs to her room, clutching the house phone along the way. Given that her parents were heavy drinkers, we didn't want to disturb them. So, we did the only logical thing and called my house instead. My mom, concerned for our safety, drove around the neighborhood twice, but upon returning, she assured us she saw nothing out of the ordinary. We were so spooked by the incident that we decided to sleep on the floor next to each other. It just so happened that our sleeping spot was beneath the window overlooking her front yard. Before we eventually drifted off to sleep, we both distinctly recall hearing the sound of raking or digging. This story dates back nearly 20 years now, but to this day, I remain friends with my childhood best friend. Whenever I recount this tale or any of the other strange occurrences from that time, she can always vouch for me. We shared an unexplainable bond during those unforgettable years. Indeed, East Derry seemed to be a hub for bizarre happenings. Numerous peculiar events took place in that town, leaving an indelible mark on our memories. It was January 14th of this year 2023. I was on my way to work so it was approximately 5.35-45 am and was a light rain and dark. I was coming from Hammond, Indiana heading west on 165th which turns into 159th. I was between State Street and Wentworth Avenue in Calumet City, Illinois. So when I saw it, I was now in Illinois after passing State Street. I was in the left lane and there was only one car in front of me in the right lane. This car was about six car lengths ahead of me. This is a wooded area and I saw something alongside the car in front of me by the rear. As I said this is a wooded area and I am always watching for deer, raccoons, and opossums. I looked harder and watched and thought to myself is that a deer it's running fast. Then I realized there was no way it was a deer. It looked bigger. Like I said it was a light rain, dark, and had my wipers on. I started to speed up because I had no clue what this was at this point. As I got closer whatever it was went directly behind the car in front of me, suddenly had a huge wingspan, and went up and over my car. I talked about it for weeks telling everyone how it was very unsettling and it's all I thought about since that morning. I take the same route to work Monday to Saturday and I'm always on the lookout and haven't seen anything since. It wasn't until months later my sister shared on Facebook that she found out if you go to Google Maps and search Mothman that the locations of sightings show up. At that moment it all clicked in my head and I literally said out loud holy shit it was F Mothman. My husband was confused and I showed him her post and he laughed. But from that moment on I was confident and positive that's what I saw.